Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, December the 31st. Happy New Year to all of you. And uh, joining us for the last show of 2023, but obviously not the last time he'll be joining us. And that's our friend uh, George Rodriguez from San Antonio. Hi, George. How are you? Real good, real good, real good. Waiting for the new year. Yeah, waiting for the new year. Is there a celebration coming up in San Antonio? Like, there's one there's in Dallas. A, there is a large celebration downtown at uh, Hemisphere. But okay. un unfortunately, there may be some uh, pro-Hamas demonstrators oh. as well there. So, you know. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge for the police. Wherever you see a large crowd of people today, like New York, uh, the police are really going to be challenged uh, because these people want attention. That's it. And what better way of getting attention than breaking up or showing up? Uh, yeah, I mean it's just terrible. But anyway, I, I hope it every I hope everything goes smoothly. But you have to you have to sometimes worry about that. Well, let me just quickly mention uh, before we get to the news story today, December thirty first, nineteen seventy two. That would make it fifty one years ago today. You and I remember this day. Roberto Clemente, the great uh, Puerto Rican baseball player, was killed in an airplane crash. He, he was uh, on a humanitarian mission. His plane took off from San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico, and then went over the water. And I don't know what happened. It went right down, and, and they never found his body. But we lost uh, Roberto Clemente. What a great loss uh, for baseball and really for society as a whole. Yeah, I remember he was, uh, my parents used to just love yeah, my uh, my dad, of course, was a big uh, aficionado of uh, of uh, baseball, and uh, he took his death pretty bad. I mean, uh, he was he was like a rock star to to Latinos. It was. He was really, in a way, not the first Latin superstar, but the first Latin superstar of the it's television like, age. Yeah, right. That that television television thank to television thanks to television. He was well known. He was very. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so he was just a great player. And as it turns out, on his last at bat in 1972, his very last at bat, he got hit number 3,000. So yeah. he made it to the 3,000 club on his last at bat in the last game of the of the year. So Roberto Clemente killed uh, 51 he, years ago. Amazing. He paved the way for a lot of great ones now. Yeah, he, he did. He was... Uh, you know, there were other great Latins at the time, Tony Oliva, Mike Cuellar. So there were others, Rod Carew. Uh, there were others, of course, uh, the Alou brothers. I mean, Orlando Cepeda. So there were others at that time as well. But no question, Clemente, uh, I'm not saying he was the best of them, but he was, uh, it's got to be in the top the two well or three. Known. The most well-known. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, anyway, uh, I got to bring this up because... Uh, I hope I have the luck of the Cowboys in 2024. That game last night, they won, and combined with uh, with the Philly Philadelphia loss today, this is you know, and you go from like you're out of the season with 30 seconds to go, to now you can win the division next week. What an amazing turnaround, George! It's amazing. I mean, uh, if they win, if they beat uh, the, the Washington Commanders, and I still want to call them the Washington Redskins. Well, let's call them the Redskins the here. The Redskins, because <laughs> yeah. that's what they were, and that's what they that's what. Be. Yeah, that was a silly uh, change. If they beat the Redskins next week, they they are going to be the number two seed in uh, the national uh, conference, right. and that's amazing. 
I mean, that is really, really amazing because it uh, wasn't too long ago, about three weeks ago, that they were all but counted out as just another wild card. Exactly. And even last night, I mean, I was watching the game with 20 seconds to go. I said, my gosh, what a terrible break for the Cowboys to lose a game like this. And then it becomes a terrible break for the Lions. Now, the Lions are in. And the Cowboys are in. They so maybe they're going to run into each other. They have, and, they have won their conference completely. Yes. Um, it's just a question of um, of them beating whoever the wild card is going to be. You know. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So anyway, so it comes down to another Dallas-Washington game next week. There have been a few of those over the years. There have been a lot of them. I mean, well, I was in D.C. in, 19, in the 1980s uh, through the 90s. We used to see a lot of great, great uh, Cowboy Redskin games. Oh yes, absolutely. Those that was it's still a great rivalry, but there were some great days uh, back then, no question about it. Well, George, let's talk a little bit today about uh, the Biden delegation that went down to see President Lopez Obrador uh, of Mexico about this crisis on the border. And I have a post of the American Thinker basically saying that they gave Biden the middle finger. I mean, they they didn't show, frankly, show a lot of respect for Biden and what happened. As it turns out, uh, you can fill in some of the information, but as it turns out, they went down and basically Lopez Obrador said, yeah, we have a problem and what we need is more amnesty. (laughs) Basically, you know, we have a problem and uh, we need more amnesty and we need for you to bail out Cuba and we need for you to bail out Venezuela. Uh, and that's my plan, guys. What do you think? That's kind of what happened. It, it's pretty bad, really, when you think about it, George. It, it's a, absolutely ridiculous. Again, it is these globalist people, these people who believe that Americans, America's uh, issues are globalist, and therefore that uh, somehow uh, everybody else has to uh, have a say in what our issues or how to resolve our issues that is that is so ridiculous, uh, you know. That that is that constant uh, view of a person is part of a greater community, and the whole community has to help them overcome their 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 problem. The this is an American problem. This border is an American problem. This illegal immigration is an American problem. We could solve it very quickly, and I guarantee that uh, that Lopez Obrador would change his tune if Trump was telling him. We're going to shut the border down, and we're we're going to raise tariffs, and uh, and we're going to stop uh, trading with you. I bet you he'd change his tune in a minute if well, uh, if he was if he was dealing with that. And that is it's sort of like that is what happened four years ago. I mean, President exactly Trump what happened. Sat down it's with exactly. him and said, "Look, I need your help." And uh, he hinted that if he didn't get help, that yeah. he was the first thing he was going to do, do it, or you don't. Either you do it. We do it together. You do, or, or we do it on our own. And, right. And, you know, and the, problem what so- been, the problem again, Silvio, has always been that when the United States sneezes, Mexico gets the get, gets the cold. That's the, the the cold reality of this whole situation. But now we are pretending that somehow we are we are tied uh, in, in many many ways to uh, the rest of the world, including to Mexico. And unless we get Mexico's uh, buy-in on a situation, everything's gonna, everything is not going to work out. Well, I got news for you: Lopez Obrador is not our friend. Uh, Chavez, uh, Hugo Chavez was not our friend. 
Uh, the current uh, president of, of uh, Venezuela, the dictator of Venezuela, is not our friend. And no, near, nor is any of the community or, or the communist leadership in Cuba our friend. Right. So exactly. why should we depend on them to solve a border problem? Right. And and to me, to me, the the problem now, I got to give uh, not credit, but I have to say this. Um, Lopez Obrador, a couple of years ago, as you said, did cut a deal with Trump and that deal yeah, kept right. people in Mexico. And the remain in Mexico policy had one great consequence, and that is that people stayed in Mexico or they honestly, they never came. Because nobody's going to realize they didn't want to stay in Mexico. Mexico didn't want them. Right. The Mexicans didn't want them. Exactly. So therefore, therefore, you know, they didn't want to sit there and wait. So they didn't come. Exactly. And why would you pay? I mean, just as a practical matter, if I'm in Venezuela or I'm somewhere else in the world and somebody says, pay me to take me to Mexico, you're going to say, wait a minute. What? Why? <laughs> Why am I going to pay you to take me to Mexico? Exactly. Unless I can get into the United States, this is not a good investment. And that, you know, that was the consequence of remain in Mexico, that people were discouraged to come because you weren't going to pay somebody to, as you said, wait three or four years uh, in, in Mexico. But, you know, that, that arrangement was made between Lopez Obrador and Trump. And, you know, you hear all kinds of things. But what I've heard is that they were, there was the possibility of a tax on the remittances, remesas, which is now $50 billion a year. That's a lot of money. Uh, and then, of course, there was also some talk about, as you say, sanctions, economic sanctions. Uh, and so somehow when they got together, when Trump was president, uh, Trump was doing the talking and Lopez Obrador was doing the listening. Now it seems like L Lopez Obrador is talking and Joe Biden is on vacation. I mean, that's kind of where we are. I'm not I'm not saying the president doesn't deserve a vacation. That's not my point. You know, all presidents go on vacation this You're time of the year. You're being too nice on that point. You're being too nice. I mean, yes. And exactly. because but this guy's been on vacation quite a bit. But but I think that the other thing, George, too, that bothers me is the idea that somehow we're going to fix this problem by by amnesty. How is that going to that is simply going to encourage the problem? More exactly. people are going to come. They're going to try to get here before the amnesty happens. Right. And, so, and, right, and right now we're not doing anything to stop them. We are doing yeah. nothing. Uh, the uh, the situation, uh, I, I interviewed some folks uh, for my show yesterday. And uh, as we speak, as we speak, there are thousands waiting to cross the border at midnight today, tonight because uh, there, there are more uh, regulations that are going to be relaxed. And, uh, you know, they're just going to, I mean, we are going to be overwhelmed come midnight. It, it, it's outrageous. I went over to the uh, uh, processing center uh, here in San Antonio, uh, the migrant center here in San Antonio. It is packed to the gills. It is packed to the gills. People walking around outside, people sleeping outside. Uh, children sitting around outside. The vast majority, again, are are, are uh, young men that are wandering around. Uh, it is not a good social uh, situation for the United States. It is right. not. Now, the other thing, too, George, that I, I was going to mention is they talk about amnesty, but who who, does, who would qualify for that under what okay. conditions? Now, you were uh, you were in the in the Reagan administration when they did the amnesty back in '86. 
But that, that, that of course, was a congressional action. I it mean, was. Congress was involved. Congress, Congress passed that. I think it was called the Simpson-Rodino, wasn't it? Yeah. Simpson-Rodino. Simpson-Mazzoli. Simpson-Mazzoli. Simpson being the senator from Wyoming, right? And, and Mazzoli uh, being the Democrat congressman. From New York? New from Jersey. Wyoming? From New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. And the two of them were able to work it out. So at least it had a bipartisan tone to it. And that particular amnesty applied to people who at the time were here, uh, who had been here a long time. They had to show that they had been here. They had to prove that they had been here exactly uh, for longer than, than, than five years. Uh, and um, they had to uh, show proficiency of English, et cetera. There were, there were several. There was about eight requirements that were, that, that, uh, were needed. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, initially there was some screaming and yelling, but, you know, the, the, there were what was really surprising at that point at that time was that we expected well over six to eight thousand, eight million people to apply and only two million apply, applied for it. Uh, about two point three million people applied for it. And um, that uh, that was amazing to us because it showed that people were truly just coming to work and going home. And uh, but that is not the case that we've got now. The case that we've got now is that people are coming and they're coming to stay. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, and what I find most shocking about what's happening right now on the border is that people are showing up and they get a ticket to see a judge. Now, I thought uh, Henry Cuellar, the congressman from from South Texas, was on Fox News this morning on the Fox Sunday News program. Uh, Fox Sunday, I think it's called. And he, he said something that did not surprise me, but it was the first time that I had ever heard it. He says that 83% or 87%, one, I don't remember, 83 or 87, don't even pass the, the asylum test. They don't. They that don't. When they go in front of the judge, they don't qualify, which means that we are letting the point that Cuellar was making, it's a heck of a good point. He says, we're letting in 100 people to keep 13. Because 87, we're going to reject. So he says, why not? Them, again, if we reject them, think they're going to leave. Well, that's think, the issue. So that's the problem. This, you think these people, particularly if they're going to go quietly. Um, the, uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we have seen constantly, and this is something that the, that the um, uh, nonprofits that work with these uh, undocumented folks, that they deny, but it's not, but it's the fact. The fact is that the vast majority of these people, uh, once they are denied, will never, will never leave, will will disappear. Once they get a denial letter, they will disappear, and you will not be able to find them. Right. On top of that, we have seen in the past, we have seen uh, violent resistance to uh, being picked up by ICE, by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, by being picked up by them and uh, and being deported. We've got... we. Most recently, uh, during the Trump administration, we had some Haitians riot on an airplane, on an airplane that was taking them back to uh, to Haiti. Right. It, this uh, this no, situation is, is really, really dangerous for the United right. States. No, it's it's ridiculous. And I thought, you know, the the point that Cuellar made this morning was so good. Henry Cuellar, the Democrat, really from from the border, he says that what we need to do is process them before they come in. Exactly. So, and that was where the remain in Mexico before policy they, made sense. Before they come in. 
That's right. Because then you, you look at a person and, and before he steps into the United States, you decide whether or not he qualifies. Yeah, whether or not. If he qualifies, then you let him in and go through the process. Right. But if he doesn't qualify, and I thought these figures from Henry Guayer were stunning, either 83 or 87% never qualify. So that's a lot of people who are coming in, they don't qualify. And then when they don't qualify, they get a letter from some judge that says you didn't qualify and you need to leave the country. And good luck with that. Good luck with as, that. As you have many people that I have interviewed at the, at the, at the migrant center here in San Antonio, none of them, none of them would qualify because all of them are coming in for economic reasons. They are right. not, they are of a you know, religious or party group that is uh that is under uh, uh, that is being uh, targeted. Uh, they personally are not involved in, in any uh, way as uh, resistance to a to a dictator or anything. They're just coming here to work, and they tell you that. Right, and and this is the of course the difference with the Cuban refugees. We were political refugees exactly when we came. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, that's right. We were we were fleeing communism. I guess we forget communism now. No, that's right. Yeah, we were fleeing communism. And uh, it was in the middle of the Cold War. So, you know, we were the, you know, the prototypical, you know, political refugee Correct. Uh, seeking asylum. But even then, even for the Cubans, it was an orderly process. Correct. Correct. I mean, that's the thing that people forget that, yes, over a million Cubans. The vast majority of Cubans that came at that time were, were family members. That's right. Members and, of and if you look at the number of Cubans who left, uh, roughly a million who left uh, yeah. over a 10 to 15 year span, we we left, but there was a process for us to come in. Now, there was the exception, Mariel, in April of 1980, when like 100,000 people came in, like in boats and all that kind of thing. But that was the, the a small minority of the group uh, on the whole that was more like my family, where my father and mother and the three of us came but there was a process. We had to go through a process. But the good news about the process was that once we were in and went through the process, then my dad could work the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other, the, the, other thing, the other thing, Silvio, is the quality and caliber of people that were coming across. What uh, Because of the communist takeover, the vast majority of Cubans that came uh, were the well-educated were people that had property, were people that had... Well, the middle class. It was the Cuban middle class. That's what it was. That is different than what we are seeing now. We are not seeing the middle class from Venezuela, the middle class from uh, Nicaragua, the middle class from El Salvador, the middle class from uh, Bangladesh coming across. Or from Cuba, for that matter, right now, yeah. These third world dictators are sending us the poorest of the poor because they don't want them. Right. And that's a that's a very important point that gets oh. lost because the economist here recently, I'm, I'm trying to find the article, but I just read it real fast one day on the Internet. And I wish I had saved the link because I want to find it. The economist was basically saying that somebody's weaponizing illegal immigration. Yes. Yes. What they're doing is they're using illegal immigration to get rid of people because they don't want these people. They don't exactly. want. Them. And at the same time, once they come over here, then they send money back. And Mexico is the best example of that. Mexico is getting over $50 billion. That's $4 billion a month that they are getting in what they call remesas or remittances. And these remesas are keeping lots and lots of Mexicans eating. They're paying a lot of rent. I mean, it's 
like a, a safety net. It's foreign. It's foreign aid. <laughs> that's what it is. Illegal foreign aid. Well, yeah, that's what it's become. And with Mexico, it's fifty billion. Uh, with other countries, uh, it's not as much, but the percentage of the uh, uh, as a percentage yeah. of the economy. A lot of these dictators are looking for that for for that remis, remis, remesa. Yeah, remesas. Yeah, remesas in Spanish, remittances in English. But anyway, uh, it's and, and you know, it seems to me that here the the I was listening to Tony Gonzalez today. He was with Henry Cuellar, and he was basically saying, "You can forget amnesty." Because that's not going to happen in Congress. I'm not even sure they have all the Democrats on board for that. Yeah. I'm talking in the Senate, not in the House. Uh, because if you're the Democrat from Montana seeking re-election or the Democrat from Ohio seeking re-election, you're already in a very tough fight to get re-elected. Why would you want to support amnesty? something like that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so that's... Uh, but anyway, I just think the Biden administration, you know, the Dallas Morning News had a very interesting editorial saying... Biden has to get engaged. And he not, has to pick up the phone. I'm not sure he's going and, to. I'm not sure he can. Well, I'm not either, but he has to get engaged. He has to pick up the phone and deal directly with Lopez Obrador and say, this is what we need. Very similar to what Trump did, but this is what we need. And my friend, I need you to, to say yes, because otherwise I got to consider options. And that's how you talk to him. Anyway, one more story before we, we run out of time. This is going to be a big one, I think, over the next few weeks. The Department of Justice is going after Texas because of the, now of the why? new law. Now why? <laughs> yeah, because of the new law that the governor just signed where we can arrest people crossing the border. Uh, you know, George, technically, the federal government runs the border. The federal government has a responsibility, technically. technically. But... I would love to see this go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And I and think the, I hope so. I hope so. I hope it goes to the Supreme Court. And I hope the Supreme Court basically gives us an opinion because I think Texas and other states are entitled to know what happens when you are spending the kind of money we have to spend on the border. The city of Eagle Pass is spending something like $21,000, I think, a day or a week. Uh, because small, and that's a lot of money for a, a small little town. town. It is a yeah. small town. That is a very small town. What is the popula- population of Eagle Pass? 10,000 maybe? Uh, yeah, 13. 13,000. So you're talking about a lot of money that a small town is paying basically to support these activities. And, uh, you know, that is simply unfair. So I think the Democrats may be... They may, the old expression, uh, be careful what you wish for, because if this goes to the Supreme Court, I think this Supreme Court may very well said, you know, in the absence of federal leadership, Texas can do this. I think that's what will happen, George. That's it. And I think that that is the the big question and issue that is going to be raised in this. Uh, What are the states supposed to do if they are trying to keep their citizens safe? Uh, and uh, protect their borders, protect their economy, uh, if the federal government fails to do to do it. And that's the, you know, if I was Biden, I'd be scared to death that that question would be raised to the um, Supreme Court. But uh, these liberals, these leftists, these radical leftists that uh, are in the Democratic Party now, uh, they don't care. They want, they want the uh, Constitution uh, changed. They want it ripped. And um, I, nothing would make them better than for 
the Supreme Court to give another give them another reason why they can scream and yell that the Supreme Court is out of touch, right? With with uh, uh, the new world, yeah, and I'm sure. uh, this this situation. I mean, I, I I really do believe that that's the bottom line right. is uh, the question of if if the federal government doesn't do it, let the state government do it. Right. No, I I think it's a pretty obvious topic to me. I mean, I see it. Hey, you know, the federal government has chosen not to do anything. And what do you expect Texas to do? And I, I think that it's going to be it's going to be a bad issue for for the Biden administration, George, because if you look at all this polling data, the border is his worst topic. Yeah, that's where he's that's 30, where he's 40 polling, points polling down. Worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where he is. He's about 40 percent overall. But when you look at the border, he's in the 20s. Yeah. Makes you wonder who are the 20s? The 20 something. Well, you know, what it really makes me wonder is who the heck is taking care of his polls? You know, I mean, there are people in in both the party as well as at the White House that should be uh, measuring his popularity, measuring his issues. And I don't understand why, you know, uh, why they're not trying to address this in some form or fashion other than you know, this band-aid of setting, sending a delegation down to Mexico. Right, and exactly. Getting and getting nothing. That's exactly right. Well, George, thank you so much for joining us today. What uh, what are you planning for the first of the year? Anything? Uh, well, tonight, uh, food, and then tomorrow, more food and football. Well, Texas that's about what everybody Washington. does. Yeah, well, that's Texas what everybody does. So Michigan. I... I Michigan. That should be a good game, by the way. That should be a very good game. Well, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll see you in 24. You got it, buddy. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez, uh, talking about the situation on the border, in particular, this delegation that they sent to to Mexico. By the way, I just want to repeat that I have a post uh, this morning uh, over at the American Thinker about this topic. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. But I, I think sending a delegation to Mexico and have that delegation talk to the president of Mexico about amnesty. I mean, I think Secretary Blinken should have said, you know what, this is a joke. I'm going back to Washington and I'm going to recommend some very tough measures against Mexico. It's a joke. I mean, they should be talking about solving the problem, not making it worse. Amnesty is not the issue here. Immigration reform is not the issue. The issue is that, that, uh, Mexico is allowing thousands of people to walk through Mexico to the border. And that's what the problem is. Mexico needs to do more to stop it because that's uh, that's the country they're going through, uh, Mexico. They need to do more to stop it. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. As I said, this is our last uh, video for uh, for 2023. So thank you so much for for watching us today, listening to us today on the on the podcast. And uh, thank you for all your clicks and all your comments in 2023. And we hope that 2024 will bring more comments and more clicks and more people watching and, and listening to the podcast. Happy new year, everybody. And we'll see you on the, we'll see you next year, which is about what? Six hours away, seven hours away, 2024, seven hours away. Wow. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.